Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Jake Scott 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check best of state award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. He covers the jazz for kslsports.com. He's our friend Ben Anderson. What's going on, Ben? What's going on, Jake? How are you, man? Pretty good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing doing really good, actually. It's been busy today. I think I've been running around a lot, but that's that's the job. That means the season's closed. That's a good thing. Yeah, a big announcement. Uh, you know, uh, Silicon Slopes, uh, that, uh, what would you call it, a convention conference uh, in town? Tech Summit. Tech Summit. There you go. That's the official verbiage. But uh, some interesting news coming out of that. I know you wrote about it today. Yeah, uh, a couple of things going on. First of all, Ryan Smith kind of finally confirmed that the uh, the Jazz are going to be going through a little bit of a rebranding. They're still keeping the name, the Utah Jazz, but it does look like the uh, color shift is going to continue to, to move away a little bit uh, from their current blue scheme and maybe more towards this uh, black and white with a little bit of yellow that we've really already seen. You know, Jake, you look at the uh, four jerseys that the team is going to wear this year. It's their home blue jerseys, their white jerseys, the black city jerseys that everyone seems to love. And those yellow, I think they're called the statement jerseys. I, it sounds like they're going to move more towards those as the solidary colors and getting rid of the navy blue that they're wearing. It sounds like that's kind of the direction they're heading so far. And then their uh, big contribution, right? Dwayne Wade involved as well? Yeah, the Jazz has been uh, raising money. Actually, I should say Ryan Smith has been a big part of this. Uh, it's called In Circle. Uh, it's a group, that's a nonprofit organization that aims to provide safe space for LGBTQ uh, kids and communities and their families just to make sure they have a place where they can go and talk and, and you know, figure out how to deal with the difficulties of life. Uh, and Ryan Smith was a big part of it with Apple CEO Tim Cook. Uh, he did that in February. They announced they were trying to raise $8 million. It sounds like they reached that goal today. Uh, Dwayne Wade, who's a parent of an LGBTQ plus uh, child, uh, talked about how important it's been for him and all the good work they're doing out there. So I've got an article up about that at kslsports.com if you want to learn more about it. You're all over it, buddy. Uh, let's talk about the game tonight. Well, actually, let's do this. Let's talk about the game uh, on Monday because I thought it was intriguing. Rudy Gobert obviously dominated, but Donovan Mitchell was really good defensively. I thought I thought we actually saw a lot. We learned a little bit and saw a lot in the game on Monday night. Yeah, it, it's it's easy to forget how good Rudy Gobert is, and I think I was tainted a little bit by, like everyone, uh, I'll give myself an excuse. <laughs> you know, Rudy was not the Rudy Gobert we see during the regular season against the Los Angeles Clippers. And I actually don't think that's Rudy's fault. I, I think that's a lot of what happens to teams in the playoffs when somebody like the Clippers says, well, we're not going to challenge Rudy Gobert. You remember he blocked, was it Marcus Morris's shot in game one or game two to, to kind of get that game winner. And they said, you know what, we're just going to go small. We're going to challenge the Jazz to take their best player off the floor. 
and see if they can beat us that way. And and they went with Terrence Mann at center, and the Jazz didn't adjust uh, as well as, you know, I think a lot of fans wanted them to, or in the ways fans, I think, wanted them to. And the Clippers got the win, and that was a big part of it. Now, you could also point to Mike Conley being hurt and Donovan Mitchell playing on one leg, whatever. But, but I, I think I remember myself kind of forgetting, oh, this is exactly what Rudy Gobert does to most teams in the NBA. When I was watching him on Monday night, he was just blocking every shot, grabbing every rebound that's in his vicinity, some out of his vicinity. He finishes everything at the rim that the Jazz throw up to him. He rolls so hard off of screens. I, you just, you know, you hadn't seen him in the first two preseason games, and we hadn't seen him since he was playing for the French national team. And he just continues to be absolutely one of the best players in the NBA and certainly one of the best centers. He just He's pretty unstoppable when he's at his best, and it looked like Monday night he was at his best. And then, as you mentioned, Donovan Mitchell's defensive contributions, three blocks, four steals. After the game, Rudy said, you know, this guy's a physical monster, and we can see how it manifests itself on the defensive or on the offensive end, but we don't see it as much on the defensive end. And maybe that's something to keep an eye on uh, over this final preseason game and heading into the regular season. I've said this. I think that's how Donovan Mitchell goes from all-star to, like, first-team all-NBA. If he could turn himself, he's never going to be a dominant defender, but if he could turn himself into a, a real impactful two-way player, uh, I think that's really how he goes to the next level. Yeah, and you know what? I think early in his career, it made sense why he wasn't. First of all, there's not really many good young defenders. There's, there's exceptions to that rule, of course, but there generally aren't many. So it needs a season or two but before you can become good. And then early, the Jazz were just asking him to do so much offensively that it made sense that he couldn't, you know, put all of that effort on the defensive side of the ball. And that's not just a Donovan Mitchell issue. You know, Kawhi Leonard is not the defender now that he was when he was in San Antonio. Well, when he was in San Antonio, Tim Duncan could score and Mono Ginobili could score and Tony Parker could score. He could play defense that way like he needed to and win, you know, Defensive Player of the Year awards. Draymond Green can win Defensive Player of the Year awards because Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant can carry the offensive load. But now the Jazz have changed that. You've got Mike Conley. You've got Boyan Bogdanovich. You've seen what Rudy Gay can do uh, with the Spurs in his past. You know how good Jordan Clarkson is. I think Jared Butler is going to be a good scorer. Donovan Mitchell shouldn't have to focus that much energy or as much energy on the offensive end. And and you're right, Jake. I think his next step, if he wants to become a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA, because he's already right there, he's already knocking on the door. But if he wants to knock that door down, it's going to come on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that will lead to success, honestly. I mean, you, you mentioned playoff matchups where you're playing the same team over and over again. I mean, it's it's no secret that your elite of the elite in NBA history were two-way players. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, all these players could impact both sides of the ball, which, of course, produces victories, right? I mean, that's why these folks are so legendary. Absolutely. And when we talk about, you know, the, the, the issues I was saying with Rudy Gobert earlier, really the problem wasn't that Rudy Gobert isn't an incredible defender. He is. It was that the way the Jazz perimeter defenders were playing, because they were asking Rudy Gobert to both defend the paint and then defend Terrence Mann on the perimeter. And he can't be in both places at once as big as he is. He can't do that. Yeah. So you need to stick in front of your man. And that comes with the Jazz guards, the Jazz perimeter defenders, the Jazz wings staying in front of, you know, the Patrick Beverleys of the world, the Reggie Jacksons of the world that, that gave the Jazz fits last year in the postseason. So Milwaukee is in town. The Bucks are here. And, of course, their big three, Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday, were incredible in the playoffs last year. Did that, did that surprise you uh, that, that those three fit together so well? 
I guess as quickly as Drew figured it out, I mean, and Drew's a great veteran. You know, he's an incredibly good player and is one of those two-way players that we talked about. So is Chris Middleton. And really, obviously, Giannis has, has won both an MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year in the last two seasons. So he's incredibly good. He's one of the two or three best players on earth. So I guess how quickly they gelled was maybe what surprised me. But, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton have been doing this together for a long time. It's just kind of those minor tweaks you make, and eventually the roster breaks through. And, you know, they added Bobby Portis, who – was a little bit discarded uh, by the rest of NBA circles by the time he signed and maybe wasn't the most wanted player in the NBA. So that's that, that's the type of move you have to make that hope, you hope pushes you over the top. And, you know, I think that is what the Jazz are looking for with a guy like Rudy Gay or Hassan Whiteside to come in and make a difference that, that maybe not everyone recognizes they still could at this point. But it does come down to those main three players that you talked about, Jake. And, and you know, the Jazz have players that are not quite on Giannis's level, but, but pretty close. And I think the Jazz second and third best players are better than the Milwaukee Bucks' second, third best player. So I think you're hoping to, to kind of balance that equation, and you've got to certainly look at what they did last year as kind of a, you know, a promising sign that teams like the Jazz can win a championship. Bobby Portis, better known for his acumen on the basketball court or caving in Nikola Mirotic's face? Yeah, and how about that? Nikola Mirotic was almost a Jazz man. Uh, and had, that not, had that worked out, the Jazz would have not ended up with Boyan Bogdanovich. And, and I think Boyan probably ended up being the, uh, the better success story. Might have cost a little bit more, but I think the Jazz are happy to pay it. But, hey, you know what? Good for Bobby Portis. He was kind of known as a weirdo coming out of Arkansas. I remember the Jazz kind of liked him and had looked at him and, and ultimately decided not to go in that direction. Uh, and, and he, you know, ran the gamut, ended up in New York, wasn't good. Washington wasn't good. And then was great in the in the playoffs, and I think that's an important thing. Especially, we we do it a little bit too much in Utah. I think maybe more than a lot of places, we get uh, you know obsessed with this idea of jazz DNA. Who's a jazz player? What types of players fit here? It's like you know what? Did, did anyone think Bobby Portis was going to be a great marriage with Milwaukee? Would, would that have been the two players you put together, or or the team and player you would have put together a half decade ago? I think you need to lose some of that and say. Sometimes you need to go outside of the box or think differently if you want to push your team over the top. And the Jazz have done that. You know, Jordan Clarkson is a player like that who I'm not sure anyone would have thought would have been a great fit in Salt Lake City, and he's beyond good. I mean, he's great for the community. He's great for the team. He's great in the locker room. Thinking outside the box can be really beneficial. And Bobby Portis is, again, looking at this Milwaukee game plan of how they built a champion. It's a good blueprint. Well... (laughs) You know, everybody always thought Bobby had potential. There's a reason the Bulls never punished him, because they, they instead went to Miritich and said, how dare your face get in the way of his fist? I mean, that's that's the next generation of Chicago. I mean, the, the potential's always been there, and maybe it's the right coach, my situation, uh, to, to get the most out of players. And, you know, maturity is a thing, too. We've seen that in a number of different cases, even here locally. So who's to say, uh, you know, whatever jazz DNA actually is, you can't uh, develop that as you get life experience like the rest of us, right? Yeah, and I think, you know what, that's probably a little bit of what the Jazz are doing with Hassan Whiteside because he just was was bad last year in Sacramento. He got played out of the rotation. They chose their younger guys over him. He said he didn't really connect with the guys in the locker room, and it wasn't a bad thing. It was just that he's in his 30s now, and the rest of that roster, I think, was, you know, 23 and younger. It just wasn't – they weren't on the same, you know, timeline anymore. So the Jazz go out and find a guy who's been in the league for a decade and – put him around a bunch of other guys who have been in the league for a decade, and he's talked about how glad he is that he's fitting in. Now, it's got to translate to the floor, and the Jazz are asking him to do a lot, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to fill in for the, the massive shoes that, that Rudy Gobert leaves when he's sitting on the bench. But 
if Hassan Whiteside can pick that up, he can absolutely be one of those success stories that you look in the postseason and say, man, his 10 minutes won that game for the Jazz because Rudy's going to be out there for, you know, 35 minutes, 38 minutes in the playoffs. But if Hassan Whiteside can come in and get two offensive rebounds and get, you know, four points, six points on a few dunks and block some shots, that's a guy you look at and say, yeah, you don't need him to be the, the $20 million guy he was in Miami, but he can still be really good, and that's exactly what Bobby Portis did for the Bucks. Should or can uh, the Nets move Kyrie Irving? They can't. I don't think they can because I don't think anyone trusts. Not that teams won, and this idea that you know there's no trade market for him, that's a little bit uh, of a misconception. Everyone wants Kyrie Irving. He's one of the 15 most talented players on the planet. I mean, he's elite, elite, elite. I just don't think anyone trusts that he won't retire if he moves. And you're not going to find a better situation for Kyrie than playing alongside James Harden and, of course, is his best friend, Kevin Durant. So you, you can't send him somewhere else and say, hey, this is just as good a situation and this will make you happier. You know, the, the t- and, and ironically, the teams that you could probably make that sale for are the Lakers and the Warriors who have two things against them. One, they both also have vaccine mandates in place that are apparently the issue for Kyrie. And he doesn't like LeBron, so he couldn't go to the Lakers even though they have the brand name and the championship acumen. So... The issues for Kyrie are just kind of at a dead end. There's just really no other direction to go. But, Jake, I think I was on with you a couple of weeks ago, and my opinion has always been you can't force Kyrie's hand. You have to let him feel like he's making this decision. And I think, unfortunately, what the Nets did yesterday for them, maybe for the benefit of the rest of the league, they started to force his hand a little bit. And he seems to not like that. He seems to like taking a little bit of a contrarian attitude, and not just due to the vaccine, but you remember he was a flat earther. He didn't like the NBA's restart in the bubble. He didn't like playing with LeBron James. There's just, he's always wanted to go against the popular narrative. And they kind of set a narrative for themselves that if you don't get a vaccine, you're not coming back. And he may stick with the idea that he's not coming back as long as you're forcing his hand to do it. To retire, he'd have to leave $200 million on the table. Yeah, he's not going to do it. I just don't see a way he does it. And look, maybe he doesn't play this year and his contract gets voided somehow and he agrees to a you know a zero dollar or a ten million dollar buyout or something with the Nets, and then signs somewhere next off season or when the vaccination is event you know mandate is eventually lifted because i'm sure it will be he comes back to the nba maybe that's what they end up doing but i'm he, he's not going to give up 200 million dollars look ben simmons is coming back to philadelphia because he lost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. like that was the boiling point for ben simmons and rich paul so at some point, Kyrie Irving, regardless of his you know standards or morals or whatever he wants to say is, is his reason for sitting out, I think he'll buckle. Where's Ben Simmons at the trade deadline, do you think? Does he move? Not Philly. Yeah, he's not in yeah. Philly. There's just no way, Jake. There's no, no way. You can't have a what – I mean, and this is not just Ben Simmons' fault. It is his fault. But you cannot have the head coach say, I don't think you can win with him or I don't know if you can win with him in the playoffs after you get eliminated, and then expect him to come back and return. And then Ben Simmons is totally the wrong personality to test that theory with. He just He's never been fun. He doesn't like people. He doesn't like the, the playful part of the NBA. He hated the Donovan Mitchell Rookie of the Year stuff, even though Donovan Mitchell was just trying to be kind of young and fun about it. It's just not who Ben Simmons is. So you have to move him for the betterment of Philly, for the betterment of Ben Simmons. You can do this to say, hey, look, we think it would get him on the floor. Everything's fine. There's no you know, underlying drama. 
but everyone knows that's a lie. You have to trade him, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna take a bath. They're gonna have to sell him for pennies on the dollar because both sides have screwed it up so badly. And my guess is he ends up on a bad team that he doesn't want to play for either. I just, I don't see this working out well for anybody. Does he put on a fat suit like James Harden to force Daryl Morey's hand? Yeah, I, I, does he? Here's the problem for, for him. It's not like he can come out and not shoot the ball because that's what he did in the fourth quarter of all the playoff games. Like you know, Kobe did that at one point because he, he was did. mad at Phil Jackson. Yeah, Phil said you don't pass that. enough, and he said, "Fine, I'm never going to shoot the ball again." And he just passed for an entire game. Like Ben Simmons kind of can't do that because what's he going to prove? We've already seen what happens when he doesn't shoot the ball. It doesn't make him better, and we know kind of what his limitations are when he does shoot. So. He's kind of also painted himself in this corner, why it's, which is why it's not all Philadelphia's fault and why it's not all Ben's fault. It's just, it's a bad fit, and they both screwed it up. And it's, it's funny to watch because, you know, I think 76ers fans and the 76ers media and some of their, their radio stations have been the bane of some Jazz fans and some Donovan Mitchell fans for a while. Oh, man, is that the wrong city to get on the south end of the, you know, the, the fan fervor, right? I mean, that can't help be helping things for Ben Simmons. There's just, yeah, but you just couldn't have found a worse situation right. with everything. I mean, the media, I, I mean, have you seen the pot shots people are taking at Ben Simmons when they're doing, like, random news, <laughs> weathermen, people being interviewed on the streets with stories that have nothing to do with Ben Simmons? They find a way to throw in a cheap shot. So, like, when we say this marriage can't be fixed, you know, Jake, I'm sure you remember some in the 90s. It felt like at a point Carl Malone would have to be traded from the Jazz because he and Larry H. Miller had had their issues. It's nothing like this where everybody hates Ben Simmons, including some of just the, you know, the, the very vulgar and, and kind of putrid chance that they have in the arena at games he's not even at. They did it at a wrestling match. <laughs> they just are not going to let him back at any point. Man, you remember that summer where Carl went on the radio in L.A. with Vic the Brick Jacobs and just every day it was something new? Never going to play for the Jazz again. Uh, that was something. Uh, well, you know what? He's kind of kept up uh, some of the strangeness if you watch from recent Well, he, he took <laughs> off his shirt at a press conference. Yeah, uh, this week. Press, did you watch the presser? No, because I I didn't want to. I actually I wasn't going to bring it up because I think the cause I, the cause of the Utah Food Bank is amazing and what he's doing up there is actually really cool. But I don't. I just I'm extremely saw, pro you. I'm with you. The Utah Food Bank is fantastic, and you should donate. And and I know you guys have done work with with you know food drives, and it's incredible. Uh, and, and I hope what Carl Malone does helps. You just got such a weird side of Carl Malone in that in that process and in his announcement to the fact that he didn't tell the Utah Food Bank what he was doing. So, <laughs> yeah, Carl continues to be strange. And hopefully it all ends up, you know, strange things can work for a positive, and he certainly drew some attention to it. Hopefully that's the case. But Carl Malone has, has inarguably stayed weird. <laughs> I just saw, I saw some of the videos. I was like, why is Carl taking off his shirt? Why is that a thing? Why, what, yeah, what's he doing He's kind of bouncing here? around the whole time. Yeah. He's, you know, he's still Carmelo. He's still his own person. That's par for the course. That's what he does. It's it's why you know what I remember. I remember he did like three hours of radio with Gordon and Brad Rock once, and I was out of town, and I had them send me the the file immediately because I just you, you can't stop listening to it. I mean, it's it's yeah. going, it's it's going. 
But you know, it's worked for Carl. He's amassed a fortune. He owns several businesses. It seems like you know, in, in this latter part of his life, he's really tried to go out of his way to help people. And and you know what? You can be weird if you're if you're trying to be a good person. I Absolutely. think Carl Malone's really trying to Carl yeah. Malone is really trying to do good. I think in the community, it's just the only way Carl Malone knows how to do it, and that's Carl Malone's way. Yeah, and uh, he's kind of become an active member of that community up there in Midway and Heber too, which is which is actually pretty cool. So, but I did see some of that press conference this week, and it was it was. Uh, Carl's yeah. still I'd, I'd advertise it. You know, I wrote about it. You can go read about it at kslsports.com. Uh, absolutely, Ben. You do a terrific job. I know you're going to be covering the game tonight, so enjoy, and we'll be looking for the, the work that follows. All right. We'll talk again soon, Jake. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. That's our friend Ben Anderson from kslsports.com. Read all of his work. He covers the jazz and uh, does a great job doing it. We appreciate him jumping on the show.